0: I have a new series that I want to share with you called The Narrow Path. I'd like for us to start out with uh, the overarching scripture in Matthew 7, 13, if you'd turn with me there. And uh, you know, when I, when I thought about starting this message, I thought, you know, do I really want to go here today? <laughs> and then I thought, heaven's my home, what do I got to lose? And, uh, and I'm just discovering that if you're going to follow Jesus, there are some things in this world that are going to try to distract you and sin is it. And I think sometimes in church world, we're so concerned about losing people over the offense of talking what the Bible talks about that we avoid talking about those things lest we be marked as haters and cruel people. And I'll tell you what, it would be cruel if you had a terminal disease or you had a disease a doctor knew could be cured, but he did not want to inflict a surgery on you because he felt the pain that you would feel would be too cruel, so he lets you perish with that very malady that he could have helped cure you from. That, would be cruel to tell you you're okay and you're not. And you might feel a little pain from someone's being honestly truthful with you, setting you free and at liberty to enjoy life. How many believe the truth always does liberate the truth of the Word of God, amen? So as we get into this narrow way, there's gonna be a path, Jesus said, that is broad, that's gonna dilute many believers. And uh, as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ, you'll see it more and more happen. And I think the more and more that we closer to the return of Jesus Christ, you need to just get to the simplicity of what he said. And I think that helps settle it all. How, how about we just go to what he said? Amen. So we're starting a new series called The Narrow Path. And so I want to take you to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. And you got to remember he was talking to a religious bunch. So sometimes the religious bunch can be your toughest bunch. The most deluded bunch. And he looks at them and he really starts talking about who enters into the kingdom of God. Who enters into it. And Jesus says this in Matthew seven thirteen. He says, you can enter, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Only through the narrow gate. He's describing something. He says, the highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gate to life, the gate to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Only a few find it. Wow. Wow. just, just turn over to your, just look over to your neighbor and just say this to him saying. I'm going all the way through the narrow way. Tell them that's how I'm going all the way through the narrow way. Now, that might have just turned some of you off, but let me go to another statement that was made by Jesus Christ John 14, 6. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with some of these things. How do I stay on the narrow way? How do I stay in the narrow path as a believer? Because you're going to be challenged. Jesus said this, he says, I am the way. He is the way. I'm the truth. I'm life. I am the life. No one, no one can come to the Father except through me. Period. You say, it's pretty narrow-minded. Well, if Jesus is narrow-minded, I'm in good company. That's right. And that's what the good news. That's the good news about this when you just read this to yourself and you talk to yourself about the stuff Jesus talks about. And you have conversations with Jesus with his letters. That's the beauty, that's the beauty of this whole message. That's the beauty of it. The good news is, is I didn't make the statement. That's the good news, so don't get ticked off at me. I'm just the delivery boy. I'm just telling you what he said. That's the good news, because Jesus Christ is the one who made this politically incorrect, bold, exclusive, in-your-face, uncompromising statement. Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Son of God, said it, not me. I know what you're thinking. I hope this series only lasts one week. Jesus says this. This is what he's saying. He's saying this. I'm telling you, those of you watching online, I'm telling you he's saying this. He says, you have absolutely zero chance of getting to God if you don't go through me, period. You have no eternal life of God. There is no eternity. He says, it's only through me, period. That's what Jesus is saying. It's a bold statement. And I'm going to tell you, when people encountered him, when Jesus' followers truly encountered him, they said, I've tried everything else. I have tried it all. I have tried everything spiritual guru. I've tried eating bananas and yogurt, sitting in a lotus position. It didn't work. I tried licking crystals. I tried every spiritual guru. I've tried every drug. I've tried every, I've tried every, I've tried every sexual experience. I've tried it all. And they've all come back to one thing. Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the way. And there's no life like a life in Jesus Christ. Every single one who encountered the power of Jesus Christ came to that collusion. Even, even his own followers even said it. Even his own followers even said, Look what the disciple Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Again, it was the religion. Isn't it amazing how the unbelieving world is never seems to really be the issue? It is a group of religious people who want to take the equation of Jesus Christ out of it and say, There's a lot of ways you can get to God. And the disciple Peter looked at that same religious crowd that was trying to do works, even invoking the name of God, trying to do works to get to God. And the disciple Peter looks at him in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and boldly says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. How many thank God Jesus Christ and Jesus' words stand all on its own. Stands on its own. And I think sometimes we just muddy it up. So if Jesus is politically incorrect, then that must be what I am. Because all I want to do is find the path to true life, the true way. That's what I'm looking for. And his name is Jesus Christ. So, so let's talk about it just for a moment. What is, the, what is the way to God? Jesus talks about the way to God. So, so he's telling you there's two ways. There's two ways. There, there's two ways. One leads to destruction and one turns to the delight of eternity of experiencing real life in God. And he even talks about it. He says, the highway to hell. He says, there's a place of eternal separation from God, eternal life with God, eternal destruction. He said, there is a place. And he said, I'm just going to tell you, that highway is broad. It is a super highway that most people enjoy being on. And he says, the gate to it is wide. The on-ramp is easy. That's what he's saying. The on-ramp is easy. He says it's easy to locate. Isn't it interesting? You can be in the middle of, you can, be, you can be in town somewhere and you'll find signs to get you to the interstate. It's nowhere. It's miles away and they're already telling you how to get there. He says it's easy to locate. It's easy to travel. In fact, in fact, no baggage limits. It's so broad. You can take anything you want on there. He says, it's such an easy road. Jesus is telling you there's no rules, there's no discipline, there's no restrictions. You can have any kind of baggage and any kind of sin, any kind of way you want to think. And you can, your theology can be feel, feel you can be a theologian. Well, I feel this is what God would want. He says, you can take all of that on that highway with you. He says, it's easy. He said, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie about it. He said, it's an easy road. So that means you can put any kind of sin on that highway. And I think sometimes we come to the church world where we're so afraid that people don't think we're kind because you talk about what are those sins that can make that on And I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, just anything's on that highway, friends, any sin. He says, take it all, put it on there. You, you, You can be in church and committing adultery. You put it on that highway. It leads to hell, destruction. He said, put it on there. Pornography, you wanna keep living? He said, it's on that highway. Sometimes we're afraid to say it in church. Adultery, you can put it on. Pornography, you can put it on there. Homosexuality, put it on the highway. Just put it on there. You don't wanna offend anybody, you can't even say it. He said, it's on the highway. Fornication, it's on the highway. Lying, lying in business. He didn't care if you speak in tongues, you're cheating, lying in business. He said, put it on the highway. Put greed on it on the highway. He said, "Put it on there." In fact, Jesus said most people in the church don't recognize when they're greedy. He said, "But greed is on that highway," and he says it's not just broad. He says many get on that highway. Many get on that highway. Wow. Let me give you an abbreviated list of who's on that highway. Atheists are on that highway. Agnostics are on that highway. Humanists are on that highway. Communists are on that highway. Jews are on that highway. Gentiles are on that highway. Red, yellow, black, and white are on that highway. Now you might say, that's a little, little rough, Pastor Sam. I'm just telling you, he says many, and he means many can get on that highway. Because sometimes there's, oh, that's them on the highway. I could never get on that highway. Let me shock you with another list that's on that highway. He says many can I tell you, Baptists are on that highway. There are Methodists that are on that highway. There are Episcopalians that are on that highway. There are Catholics that are on that highway. There are Presbyterians on that highway. There are Lutherans on that highway. There are Assemblies of God people on that highway. There are Charismatics that are on that highway. There are Mormons on that highway. There are Buddhists on that highway. There are Hindus on that highway. There are Muslims on that highway. You say, what are you saying? I'm simply saying to you, Anyone who never is born again and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus says, no one can see the Father God or make the kingdom without me. Anybody that rejects that, anyone that wanted to follow, I don't care what title, what name you put on it, he says it's there. Jesus wanted to be clear, very clear. You say, well, I, I, that's just a little tough. Well, I... It, He said, few make it. Few really want to know what real life is. And they take the easy broad way. They let sin live in their life and they can sit in church pews or they can sit there and watch online and keep distance. Doesn't make any difference. I mean, Jesus said it. Matthew 7, 21, he says, we're going to come to a day, he says, when we stand before God. People say, well, all religions will get you to God. Yes, they will. (laughs) Yes, they will. But the outcome is different for the two ways, the two paths that he says. I think sometimes we avoid saying it. But Jesus Christ said this, there's going to come a day, he says, when we stand before the Father. In Matthew 7, 21, he says, and not everyone, look what he says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Can I give you another exclusive word? Only, can you say that word with me? Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus, Jesus, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. He's saying it is a complete surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That He is my Lord. He is my Savior. It is a completely sell out to Him. People are saying, Yeah, but is, aren't there a lot of ways to get to God? Aren't there? Aren't there good religions? I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to deny it. there's probably some good intentions. I'm not going to deny that, but pastor, isn't the analogy of, you know, the mountain analogy that, you know, about God is true, that God is at the top of the mountain and, and, and man's at the base and all these religions are just man's way of carving his way up to God. Well, it sounds really good, but when, on, when you get to closer examination, we find different religions contradict the teaching of Jesus in a big time way, in a big time way. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not denying that, that, that there may not be good intentions. My mother was Buddhist. She encountered the true living Jesus Christ, but my mother was Buddhist. And Buddhism teaches that what you want to reach ultimately is a nirvana. And the way to reach nirvana is by following the eightfold path of enlightenment. And then you finally reach the place of total nothingness. I'm sorry, but my mind and my spirit, and my soul is so complex. It doesn't end with nothingness. <laughs> it's just too complex. I don't think you create something like with this ability to process, and then it just comes to nothingness. Hinduism, nirvana—it's reached nirvana, but nirvana is different. It's being u- reunited with Brahman, and the way to achieve union with Brahma is through reincarnation. But depending on how you live your life determines whether you go move up or you move down. Islam Islam says heaven is a paradise of wine, women, and song, but the way to achieve this blissful paradise is to ironically abstain from those very things in the world. And then you gotta go through a five pillars of Islam to finally achieve that paradise. It's I gotta do this and I gotta do this and I gotta do this, I gotta follow this eight paths of enlightenment, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta perform, I gotta keep doing this. It was the same thing with the teaching law, I gotta perform, I gotta do to finally get with God. But I'm going to tell you the difference with the way of the Lord Jesus Christ is totally different. Because the way of the Lord Jesus Christ was God came, God himself came down to us in the form of a human put on skin in Jesus Christ and came down to us because we had no way of getting to him because of our sinful nature. No way, no way, no way. Other religious systems of rules and commands never get you to God, never get you to God. They may bring you some disciplines, you know, in areas of your life. I don't deny, they might bring some disciplines in your life. But you can never know the loving relationship of the Father and really what he did for you, that you have nothing within your ability to come to me but complete surrender to what Jesus Christ did on the cross because he loved you. And to ignore that, he said, depart from me because none of these other things will ever get you there. My way, what I did, he said, is only the way. You never get relationship with Jesus. That's why in John 14, 7, Jesus said this. He said, if you'd really had known me, you would know my, who my Father is. If you'd really know me, you'd really know what the Father's really up to doing this. You, you'd really see the plan he has. If you'd just known the way that he really has for you. <laughs> he came down to you. <sighs> he came down to you. You don't have to work to get it. He comes down to you. Will you accept it? Will you receive that way? Will you come and, and take it and say, yes, yes, Jesus. It is the only way. You are it, Jesus. You know what? Uh, um, I saw one of these pictures that Sarah, our daughter, had posted, and it was a picture of her and me when she was three years old, and uh, it's an adorable picture. Um, I didn't even really know the picture existed. How many of you just got tons of pictures, you know? And, you know, old school before digital, you got boxes and boxes of these. I'd like to say this was a digital picture, but this was one in the box. It's quite a ways back, and Sarah just loved going through pictures. She loved always watching these videos of when they were little. She always, always just constantly would want me to watch with her and go through it. Well, this picture I really didn't even know really existed, but it's now become a special picture to me, and I'll tell you why it became a special picture. It's not since... Sarah has gone to be with Jesus. But the reason it became special to me is because I didn't know how special it was to Sarah. And she's the one that pulled this picture, and she's the one that kept it, and she wanted everybody in the worldwide internet to know this picture, and she posted it. And it only became special to me because I discovered it became special to her. And the reason it became special to her was because she loved to sit in her dad's lap. But she was just too little to get there. And I'd always have to pick her up because she never had the ability to get to the father. She never had the ability to sit in his lap, look him eye in eye. She never could do that because she was so little, and what so profoundly moved her was what the father wanted her with him, and I'd reach down to her, and that's why it became so special to me, because it translated to me, this is how your daughter views you. She can sit in the father's lap, but she can only get there if you'll reach down to her. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ is trying to tell you, that there's no eight paths of enlightenment. There is no works that you could ever do. It is solely on the fact that you know Jesus Christ was the only one that lived the sinless life that you could not live and died the death that you could not die because he was so caught up with loving you that he would reach down and send himself in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and brutally be crucified and spit upon and rejected to show you one thing. I love you and the only way to get you to me as if I come down to you. And if you reject that, then I never knew you. You will never find the narrow path of life. And that's why Paul said in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 to those believers, but God showed his great love for Sam. Put your name in it. Put your name in it, ma'am. Put your name in it. He showed his great love for you by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I'm here to announce to you that the narrow way is Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a way with Buddha and Hindu and good works and Confucius. He is not a good way with Taoism and all these others. Jesus Christ is the way. He is truth. He is life. And you can have access to him and encounter and grab that love of the father for you you. He says, you got to get it. And then as a result, when I start getting that, and this is unfolding to me, I will never, ever completely understand the infinite love of God for me or for you. Do you know that when we stand before Jesus, we will still be, be being taught the infinite love of God for us? Do you know we'll still keep learning because it's so vast, it never ends. You can never get it. And I'm seeing little pieces of him all the time showing his love, his forgiveness, always reaching to Sam, always reaching to Sam, always loving Sam, even giving Sam a spanking occasionally at 62 years of age. (laughs) Because he loves me. and He wants me blessed. And now my reason for doing what I do, you don't have to twist my arm to study his word or to love people, forgive people, or give money away <laughs> you know, to his heart. Because the more I figure out how much he loves me, the more those things just pour out of my life because I'm smitten by what he did to get me, to reach me up, pick me up, sit me in his lap, and allows me to call him Abba Father, Daddy God. How many? thank God he is he is the way. Amen? He's the way. He's the way. Some people say, well, I, 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 I would follow that narrow way. I would follow that narrow path if I really believe he is God. Well, why is he God? Why, why is he God? You, you know, sometimes when you, when you start studying the Bible, you really get this revelation and, and, you, and the magnitude of who Jesus was just gets greater and greater to you. I mean, you're going, hey, this was really a smart move I made. When you start reading the scripture, it, it, you know, the Bible's broken up into two, two, two categories, the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is the Old Covenant and the New Covenant through Jesus Christ. And you got to always see that the New Testament, when you, when you read the Old Testament, the New Testament, you see pictures in there. You see it's, it's, it's the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. But then when you read the New Testament, you start seeing those were pictures and now it's revealed to you. It's not concealed. It's revealed what Jesus really was. So when you look at Old Testament law before Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said that priests would go into the holies of holies and they would sacrifice an animal and they'd shed the blood of an animal. They had to do everything just right and precise in order that they could cover the sins of the people so that blessing and the blessing of God would come on the people, and they would have to sprinkle that blood—the blood of an animal. Well, Hebrews reflects on that about Jesus Christ, and look what it says in Hebrews chapter ten, verse thirty-seven. It's on the screen. He says, "But instead, those sacrifices—that Old Testament sacrifice—actually reminded, actually reminded them of their sins year after year. <laughs> look, for it is, <clears throat> for it is not impossible. It is not possible." for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sins. He couldn't do it. That is why. They were doing it on credit, believing that something would come. They were doing it on credit. He says, that is why when Jesus came into the world, he said to God. Jesus said, this is God. You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. I'm putting on skin, sinless, and I'm going to earth. You've given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, O Father, as it is written in Scripture, is written about me in the Scriptures. Jesus said, I took that on. Why is he God? Jesus even said, I'm going to fulfill all those years of prophecy about me in the Old Testament. I'm going to fulfill every single one of them because he's God. Now, when you say that, some people can just check on and go, well, that's no big deal. Oh, yes, it is. This is why when you read the Word of God, the Word of God is powerful because the reason it's so powerful is the subject is Jesus Christ himself, the only way. It really is the subject. I mean, get your Bible out just for me. You, <clears throat> sometimes... You got to go to the old tree version to make it. How many got a tree version Bible still? <clears throat> Amen. I, I, I like using this. today. There's this, this, this no more spiritual way. I'm just, sometimes I like paper. <clears throat> but when you look at this, these 66 books were written by 40 different authors led by the Holy Spirit. And those 40 different authors, listen to this, just think about this, living on several different continents. Now think about it. It's written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, think about it. These people were separated by time by 16 centuries. And most of them had never met. And yet the Bible tells the same story from beginning to end. It was all about the one who would redeem you, Jesus Christ. Now you think about this for a moment. You gotta grab this for a moment. When he says, it was fulfilled, I will fulfill the scripture, when Jesus said that, that's a powerful statement, everybody. Because when you look in the Old Testament, There were 330 prophecies in the Old Testament that prophesied about who Jesus Christ would be. He hadn't even come. They were prophesying it. Some of them are similar, but there are 108 separate and distinct prophecies. Jesus Christ himself fulfilled 61 of those very, very specifically that was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Now think about that. It was written in there. They wrote it. It, things like this is what he would fulfill that Jesus was betrayed by a friend and he wouldn't be betrayed by an acquaintance the bible the bible prophesied that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and not gold and not 40 pieces of silver or gold very very specific it said that when he made his triumphal entry that Jesus would ride not walk but he would ride and walking was the trend of the day but he would ride not walk on a donkey and not a horse it prophesied It prophesied that the donkey would be a female and not a male. On and on and on and on, Jesus specifically fulfilled all those 108 specific and distinct prophecies to the T. Now that may not impress you, but if you just do a little math class, it would impress you. The uh, late professor, Pastor uh, uh, Professor Peter Stoner, he was a mathematician and chairman, mathematician chairman of the departments of mathematics and astronomy at Pasadena City uh, College. He was also chairman of the science division of Westmont College. He's a mathematician, and he applied mathematical science of probability to the scriptures and Jesus being able to fulfill those prophecies. Now, get this, Professor Stoner calculated the odds of one person fulfilling eight of the prophecies predicted, just eight of them. He applied mathematical science probability just to just fulfilling eight of those. You ready for this? After doing his calculations, this is what he said. We find that the chance that any man might have lived down to the present time and fulfilled eight prophecies, just eight, is 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Now for all of us that got a D in math, let me explain that. This was in his book called Science Speaks. Science Speaks. Science Speaks. This, was his, this is what he said. That would be 1 in 100 quadrillion. That is the probability of one man fulfilling just 8 of those prophecies. He put an illustration, he said, this would be the illustration of that just eight of them happening. He said, it would be the equivalent of taking the state of Texas, you know, they think they're a whole nation on their own already, (laughs) taking the state of Texas and putting pilot two feet deep across the entire state of Texas with silver dollars, but taking one silver dollar and putting one black mark on that one silver dollar bill. He said, lay that one in the pile of all those silver dollars going across Texas two feet deep. He said, then send a man out blindfolded and tell him to go stick his hand. And he sticks his hand in it and he pulls up the marked one the first time. He says, that is the probability of one man being able to fulfill just eight of those prophecies alone. What I'm trying to tell you is if you're born again, you're a really smart person. Because when you follow Jesus, you don't think less, you got to think more. And the reason why he could fulfill every one of those prophecies is because, friends, he was no mere man. He was no spiritual guru. He wasn't just a good prophet and a good teacher. He was the son of the living God. He was God himself with skin on who came to do one thing, to come and die for your sins and my sins because he was the only way. And he said, I love them too much for the enemy to put them on the broad path so that they head to destruction. I want to give them eternal life. How many of you thank God? He is the way. He is the way. He is the way. So why would so many people, why would so many people fall for Jesus? Why would they encounter Jesus? Why would they do it? Because of the work of God. It's not just why he's God, it's the work of God. You can have all the facts, you can have all the statistics, you can have all the scripture, but the reality is, is the work, the transformational work of God in my personal life and in your personal life. Because it's real. I've sat with some of you, heard your stories, and only God could have done that in your life. Only God. The Apostle Paul, a murderer, a murderer in the name of God, murdering believers, Jesus followers, incarcerating them, tormenting them. He himself was so transformed. I love what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 5 through 8. He was testifying that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he'd risen from the dead. This is what he said after Jesus resurrected from that. Only God can do that. He said, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12, the 12 disciples. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of them who are still alive. He said, they're still breathing. You can go talk to them. Though some have died. He said, then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Look how specific they record things here. He says, last of all, As though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Let me tell you about these these people that saw Jesus walk with Jesus. Let me tell you about these apostles. These apostles, friends, were martyred save one. They still tried to kill him. They were martyred for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about what these apostles did. Do you know that their heads were chopped off? They were beheaded. There was no fair trials for them. There was no justice for them, not here on this earth. But they were beheaded for the cause of Christ. They were crucified upside down. They were stoned. One was sawn, his body sawn in half. So before you think we're persecuted here in America, he was sawn in half. They took the apostle John and tried to boil him in oil, couldn't kill him. That's what the apostles went through. Now, Now, let me just say something. You might die because of someone else's lie you've sucked into. But if these people were all lying and went through persecution and torment and martyrdom, you might die for somebody else's lie, but you will not die for your own lie. When you know it's false and when you know you got a lie, you will not die for that lie. Why did these men and women Why were they martyred? Why were they persecuted? Why did they go through all the suffering and the torment and still cling to Jesus Christ? There's only one reason because their lives had been totally transformed by the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ himself. Eternal life that they can endure every suffering, they could endure every torment, because they had been transformed by the living God Himself. And I'm here to tell you, friends, sitting in front of me today, and those of you watching online are men and women who've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ and know he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and I'll follow any narrow path that he leads me on. How many of you today would say, Pastor, it is a challenge out there, but it makes no difference. I will follow any path Jesus Christ my Savior takes me on, no matter how narrow it is. And There's a lot of on-ramps to the broad way, let me just tell you, there's a lot of on-ramps. Boy, you can get them all the time. You can even get them preached to you from pulpits. But I'll tell you, there's an off-ramp. When you get on the off-ramp, you might have to go through some neighborhoods. You might go through some nice neighborhoods. You might go through some rough neighborhoods. But eventually, you find yourself out of the city, and you find yourself out. And then it goes from a highway to a dirt road, then a dirt road maybe over a cattle guard and then into a, just a little two strip little thing you can get your your car on and then finally you can get yourself into some woods and then all of a sudden you can get yourself out into a beautiful path and by a stream and the narrow path is Jesus Christ it's not just a peaceful scenery. It's a place where you really find life, where you really find truth, really find significance. But he said, few people want to get off and go find me there. But how many say, Pastor, I've been serving him a long time. And no matter what I've had to walk through, it's been worth every step following Jesus on the narrow path. Amen. Some of you have been following. I had the joy of just seeing one of our believers yesterday just talking to this dear brother. He just started telling me, I've only been here a month, pastor of this church. He said, it's transformed my life, the teachings of Jesus. He said, it's transformed my life, my family. Everything's been transformed. Thought all those other things on that broad road were the answer. But he said, I found the narrow way. I found the narrow way and I'm staying on it. He said, my life will never be the same for this past month. Never be the same. There may be some of you sitting in here that you were in that narrow path whereas you and Jesus and whatever you require, Jesus. I know some of the amenities are not on this narrow path, but it's the best. It's the path where I find you. And some of you now say, well, I want to go back to the appealing amenities that I used to have before I served Jesus now you're starting to add things back into your life when you were walking with Jesus Christ. Let's just call it what it is. You might be a believer, and the enemy's enticing you with a sinful lie or a sinful lifestyle, a sinful nature. And it's not Pastor Sam, but it's the Holy Spirit calling you out. He's calling you out. And he said, you and I have been talking about this it's time for you to get back on that path of just following me and me alone. It's time to shake off that baggage. It's time for you to follow me. It's time for you to get back. You may be talking to a believer. It's, it's, it's just called repentance. It's getting back with Jesus Christ. You might be a young person. You might be an older person. You might be single, you might be married. And the Holy Spirit saying, I've been talking about this. Now, come on, let me express my love to you and let me show you how to walk this path. Let me show you how to walk freedom. Let me show you how to walk real life, real truth. This is the way, walking in it. Walk in it.